there's always anger connected to injustice. But there's something about racism that just sparks a rage. Those who have power or seek to gain power always use the differences between people. Study about slave trade, we have to study about all the slave trades. Yeah. If we're focusing about the solution, we have to say the truth about every every truth. If you want to face the truth, things are going to get uncomfortable. I consider it a privilege. If you're not born in a country, it's not your right to come here. It's a privilege to come to another country. So my problem with Africans is that we are always blaming the white man when like in my country, it's black people fighting. But revolutions don't end well. Welcome to Both Sides Now Table Talk. I'm Michelle Pexa, and today we have kind of a special show. We're going to be doing a little bit of discussion from our last previous episodes when we had Dr. Uh, Zita Seshi with us and Will Ford III, and we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about that. But I, I'm here with Alberta Mwembo, one of our panelists, and her brother, Danny Mwembo, and also my husband, Fred Pexa, is with us joining us today. So, And we're going to continue to talk about racism today. Dr. Zita made the statement that in Africa, your distinction is based on social status, gender, tribe, languages, etc., do you believe, and you guys can both kind of talk about that, all of us can talk about that, is it okay to discriminate based on those characteristics but not based on racism alone? And if, if, if it's not okay, why do you think so many uh, minorities are focusing on racism but they don't consider those other variables? Obviously, it's not okay to discriminate on any level, you know, or, or discriminate whether it's uh, gender, race, tribe, societal status. It is not okay to discriminate uh, uh, against anybody. But um, I would say one of one of the reasons most minorities focus in on that particular issue when it comes to um, racism is because of the 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 historical attachment to it. Growing up, I came across. Uh, I was introduced, we had, we had a CD-ROM, it was called Encarta 98 and World Book Encyclopedia, and would see philosophers, they were, you know, Aristotle, Plato, they were all white guys, scientists, uh, Isaac Newton, Einstein, you, you would hardly see a black scientist. So uh, just as an innocent child, you, you ask your parents like, okay, well, what about the black people? Aren't they smart enough to, be, to, 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 um, to become scientists or philosophers? And uh, my parents explained to us, no, you see, we had, we, we had sla slavery happen, there was colonization, our, our ancestors were indoctrinated, our politicians didn't know how to run the country. And then to top it off, when we had, growing up, we had a few a handful of white kids would come to school. And when they would come to school, they were really treated like royalty, like gods, you know? And in during those times, I can admit, I wanted to be white because it felt like if you are white, all the teachers are so kind to you. You get all the friends, all the attention, you know? So yeah. you're talking about how the focus has been based on the history of what uh, the Africans have experienced or, um, based on the history you're talking about colonization you're talking about the presentation of whites showing up as the scientists the, the kids being taught treated better when they came to the school if they were white versus dark almost like attaching their identity to their their race and try to find like try to find like a something of value or something to be proud about of their race and uh, fortunately or unfortunately 
most of what is out there has been it's about um militant black people you know uh, uh, uh black people resisting oppression black black people trying to fight for equality and that kind of stuff and so it, when a person feeds on that that's just one factor they can feed on and they encounter racism the immediate response is rage a cop kills a minority and in all sincerity, the cop was defending himself. Yes, there are racist cops. But the moment the story comes, before we even hear who is on the right or the wrong, the immediate reaction, at least from me, is rage. Why did this happen? Isn't slavery enough? Isn't colonialism enough? Yes, tribalism is wrong. In fact, African tribes have killed each other in, in, for tribalism. Uh, uh, discrimination due to societal status is wrong. But there's something about racism that just sparks a rage. It triggers uh, um, a rage and anger on another level. Any kind of discrimination is bad, but there's certain things that, that put things up a notch in terms of the reaction of people. And as you're talking about too, from the history of slavery to um, the fact that you know you would see very angry people out there um, looking at the history of what's taking place to the favoritism of white people to not seeing any role models that were blacks as well and it, it's just a different level racism triggers a different level of anger or rage in people you've even mentioned like tribalism they would murder each other that's a pretty serious crime yeah. um, and there would be discrimination I remember you know we were talking in one show where if you weren't from a certain tribe you didn't get to even if you qualified um, in education, you were not given the opportunity. So the yes. opportunities were lost based on tribalism. Yeah. Um, there was oppression against women, and still is, as you're mentioning, you know, in terms of uh, women are, 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 have been considered objects or things to be owned or possessed or used or abused, and that's all over the world, and especially yeah. in, in, in certain countries, and you're mentioning Africa is one of those. I've seen that in a lot of countries, horrible oppression with women. There's always anger connected to injustice. Yeah. So whenever there's any kind of injustice, there's always anger. People always feel angry about injustice. For some reason, when we talk about the topic of racism, it feels like a, either a more serious injustice or, again, the period of time that there's been injustice or how big the injustice is, you know, <laughs> like, you know, there must be something more. And so we're kind of, we're in a fine line to even talk about it because the more that people talk about it, sometimes it agitates more anger. You know, and how are you going to ever move past that? Because as you're talking about it, every time you talk about it, people get more angry about it. It is very possible for people to have a respectful conversation about these issues. And I'll give a, a, a historical example. Malcolm X used to preach. I mean, I'm not white, but I would assume as a white person, you'd, you'd, you'd almost feel threatened by the words you'd see. He would literally encourage Blacks if you have the opportunity to kill a white person and a white person attacks you, kill them. You're like, white people are the real terrorists, like that kind of stuff. And, uh, and it, uh, in a, it's very understandable why he was the way he was. His mother, his grandmother was lynched. And as a kid, he saw his dad being killed, being murdered by the KKK. So that has already scarred him for life. And then the KKK burns their house twice his, 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 uh, his mother went mad. The policeman didn't like that he was dating a white girl. Before he became D. Malcolm X, he was like a, a, a thug or something like that. They didn't, so by the time he was out of prison, he was like very angry. However, after, after being very eloquent and well-spoken, 
despite the fact that he was living in a time when they, 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 they had bombed him. You, you know, there was a time when uh, KKK bombed a church with some little black girls in it. Mm. And um, uh, there was a time even some black people were swimming in a, were just literally just swimming in a, in a pool and white folks poured acid in the pool and burning the, the, the skin. Like he was living in a time when there was overt racism, the po police brutality yet. When he would be, when people, when he would be invited to universities to have discussions, he was, I, I can almost liken him to a Dr. Jordan Peterson. He was not, he was not uh, losing his cool. He was giving the opportunity for the other person to speak, and he would always, he never raised his voice. He'll just give like very eloquent, very to the point. Didn't stutter. So it's possible to have these conversations. And in fact, toward the end of his life, before he got assassinated, he was asked, okay. You believe this, you believe that, and we, we acknowledge that there's been so much injustices toward the African American community and Black people. What is the way forward? And I'm paraphrasing what he said. He said, the only way the white man and the Black man can come to a reasonable conclusion is if they both sit down mm -hmm. and they bring to the table what is bothering them. Mm -hmm. The white man says how he feels respectfully to the Black man, and the Black man says, how he feels respectfully to the to the white man, and they move toward a, a solution. Now, now the problem is, people don't want to have a conversation. Everybody is talking over each other. The media has a big role to play in that. They like uh, they have a way of um, feeding of, of feeding to the masses what will trigger them and turn against each other. It is possible to be able to have a conversation. I mean, even someone that experienced horrific stuff as a child, watching grandparents being hung on a tree, their house being bombed, he actually felt like there was a place to move forward, to actually sit down and have talk both sides. Yes. And yet you're also talking about, you know, what's getting in the way of actually addressing this and what's probably also provoking more agitation or racism mm. is there's there's a you know a media force but it sounds like there's a political force it's a political agenda that mm. wants to provoke and antagonize people to come against each other you know because we're kind of we're kind of peacemakers peacemakers aren't necessarily that you keep the peace but you actually want to confront issues and mm. and disarm hostilities i'm i'm like one of those kind of people i'm i'm a peacemaker in that i want to disarm hostilities but i do want to hear from both sides so so you know having the conversation without having an agenda to to really be authentic if you want to face the truth things are going to get uncomfortable you, you cannot say i want to hear the truth and then oh you offended me because you said this thing oh you offended me so there needs to, to have that conversation. People are coming from other, other countries. They're not coming as refugees. They're coming by their own choice from most Canadians perspective, if they're not coming as refugees. Um, and yet when they come in mm -hmm. and not even here that long, they're mm -hmm. criticizing everything and attacking everything and screaming racism about everything. And it probably makes from a, from a white Canadian's perspective, well, why are you coming to my country? When I go to somebody else's country and I travel a lot, I'm extremely careful to honor their country. As a matter of fact, in remote places where I go to show honor, I'll even dress like the people. I'm careful to cover what they would consider you should cover as a woman. I'm careful to be very respectful, very honoring of the culture. I do everything I can to support whatever I come in. I don't come in to tell them what to do and scream and yell about how everything's bad. I, I just come in because I because because I've been um, I considered a privilege to go to somebody else's country. I considered a privilege, not a right.
I consider it a privilege. If you're not born in a country, it's not your right to come here. It's a privilege to come to another country. So I don't take that for granted when I go in. So how come people can come in from another country and start to scream and yell and demand all of these rights and tell us how horrible we are? I mean, that's how it feels. Okay. Mm-hmm. And may, may I just say that is wrong. Very wrong. That is wrong. The, the root of all things right now we're talking is the agenda. For instance, earlier on, we mentioned the Arab slave trade. The Arabs, all the, the religions that are not African religion, they came with a lot, a lot of violence. All religions that are not African religion. So Islam, for instance, there was the Arab slave trade that lasted for at least 1,300 years. And that's how we have Swahili. Swahili was born out of that. Or Ab, the name Abdi, yeah. which, which means slave or something. Yeah, or servant in, in like Arabic. That. Yeah. And that's what they used to refer to Black people. Mm-hmm. And to this day, because we studied in Arab schools. So I remember when I started, the classrooms are segregated. Blacks on seated on one side, Arabs on one side. So there, that thing exists there. On so the agenda that's present is focusing on a single thing, and it's so obvious if you are for peace, if you're genuine, genuinely for peace, you can see that it's focusing only on European oppression system, mm-hmm. and not the other oppression system. In Kenya, for example, where we grew up, there's the Indians discriminating. Kenyans on their land and they write signboards, no Kenyan allowed here. And you see that with your eyes, but no one is talking about it. But the moment George Floyd was murdered, I saw a group, a delegate of African leaders going to protest to the UN about discrimination happening in the USA when they have discrimination right under their noses. So that tells you there's an agenda happening. As I know of someone that actually works in the Congo right now is building schools in the Congo because children are being forced into slavery for war. Yeah. They have to run for their lives. They they have to travel long distances to feel safe at nighttime because they will be abducted in their country by by blacks will be abducting black children and forcing them to become slaves in war. So that's actually still going on. There's still slavery going on with children or all kinds of horrible oppression. We talk about human trafficking, you know, whatever the case may be, that's a form of slavery, right? So that's human Mm -hmm. slavery that's still taking place all over the world. Study about slave trade, we have to study about all the slave trades. If we're focusing about the solution, we have to say the truth about every every truth and then see the big picture and focus on the solution. But we're focusing only on the European. So my problem with Africans is that we are always blaming the white man when, like in my country, it's black people fighting, even though there are, there's been a lot of uh, evidence that the guns are coming from Western nations are being supplied by Western industries and whatnot. But we can stop that for that's what I believe this like there's an African proverb that says if there's no enemy within the enemy without will not harm us that means that inside Africa itself there are evil people within Africa itself which which is true of almost any nation on the earth Mm -hmm. uh you know looking at the the you know just touching on the slavery issue well there are more slaves uh alive Today, there are more people in slavery today than have been since recorded history started. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, slavery officially in the UK ended in the 1830s, in the US in the 1860s. 
And so Western nations haven't been enslaving anybody, you know, uh, from a systemic uh, institutional perspective. And yet there are an estimated, you know, 30 million slaves uh, around the world. Uh, close to half of them are in India, uh, where, mm. where Indians are being enslaved by other Indians. Mm. Uh, a large number of those, uh, you know, are in, are in African countries. The overwhelming majority of those are are in Islamic nations, uh, uh, even yeah. today. I think human beings are, you know, have the potential to cause harm, doesn't matter what race you're from. I think that mm -hmm. within is the, the greed for power, and everybody feels injustice and gets angry about it. Everybody experiences, wants freedom. Everybody wants that. We can all agree on a few things is that any kind of, of, of oppression upon any people group, so enslaving them or oppressing them is horrific. Mm -hmm. But also we're talking about that there's an agenda that actually does not want peace. Mm -hmm. And there's an agenda, there's like a political agenda. But again, let's go back to you know, others coming from other countries, not as refugees, coming by choice. And I, as I mentioned, you know, my view would be it's, you should consider it a privilege to go to anybody's country. And I certainly do. And um, but you're saying, OK, well, they, they feel the freedom to just let it all out. Mm -hmm. But also there are those that are genuine activists in places of power and authority that just got here not that long ago mm -hmm. that are screaming and invoking this hostility. And I'm like. Why, why should that be allowed in my country? You know, why should you be allowed to come to my country and start creating all this animosity and you have influence and you have authority and you've got power to some extent? Why are you, why are you doing that in that way? Like, you know, if you want someone to pay attention to oppression from your country or if there's, if there's problems here now, why would you attack? And, you know, so that's the part that's hard to understand. I think from a lot of white people. The most powerful activists, even in France right now, if you follow, um, okay, okay, you don't speak French, but there are some translations. Not long ago, I think before last year, there was some feud between Italy and France. And then the Italian minister said, why is France meddling in our business and said, in fact, France is profiting from Francophone African countries. They are paying taxes to France. So in addition from the structural adjustment programs, we are not benefiting from even our own currencies. It's going back to the previous colonial masters, you mm -hmm. see. So there's no way we can even build infrastructure. And then so you have in place these puppets, these colonizers puppets as our leaders. If you speak against France in any Francophone country, you will either be murdered or killed. So people who have the money, who save money, go to France and protest in France for their country. Okay. That's the movement that's going on right now. In terms of Canada, Canada didn't colonize any African country. We were colonized. Right. right. By, by Britain. Um, when we study the citizen exam, like we took the citizen exam, obviously, because we came from Africa and we moved here as refugees. I mean, you know our story. In the history of Canada, what's focused on uh, in the history is that it's all a peaceful nation. But then when you start studying, I love history. I love history. 
instead of studying history, in fact, the first person that mentioned to me that, did you know that Canada actually had slavery for over two, 200 years was Danny. He, came, he was in St. Joe's. Danny also loves reading and loves history. And he discovered this book. So that's number one. And then number two, because we spoke about Dr. Zita, we, she also came as a student and then everything about Canada is great, it's freedom. Then you discover stories written by previous slaves. So why are they hiding it? Why can't you put it out there? And so now someone coming from their country with that rage against white people, which is really wrong. I don't condone it. But then again, seeing that injustice against, uh, because there are black Canadians, right? Black Canadians like, oh, so this actually happened, but it's not in the, in the academic system. Why aren't they talking about this? Why, why is, are they hiding this? Then now they lash out that. And I can't really speak in their place. It would be nice to hear someone that resonates like that, but I will say that's how it goes. Like you, you, no, yeah, no. You're, trying to, you're just trying to say that this is kind of an understanding is that mm-hmm. they're protesting in other countries on behalf of their country and they're trying to expose, you know, what took place right here, for example, right in their mm-hmm. country, and mm-hmm. and you know, and that's and and so that's part of the reason. And they're thinking, well, if I have influence, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my influence mm-hmm. to expose what has taken place, and mm-hmm. that and so there is a bit of you know creating awareness that there really is a problem, creating awareness, perhaps even in systems, mm-hmm. that there is a problem. Myanmar, Burma, where um, when the British were in Burma, they favored a particular people group called the Karen tribe. Mm-hmm. And the Karen people were favored, like, but they, they, they served the British. They did that. When the British pulled out and the army took over, they began to burn down villages with the Karen people and use them as human land sweeps. Like they would have to go before and blow up the landmines. They would crush babies to death with rice pounders. I mean, I've been to that country. I've seen what goes on in the refugee camps. And the Karen people just were there. They were just there. They didn't ask for anything. They didn't ask for any favoritism, but then they're being punished after the fact because they were being picked on. And there could be all kinds of reasons and speculation why they picked on them specifically. And there's other things happening there since, you know, in the country, a lot of unrest around democracy, et cetera. But still, it kind of feels like that in a way is that, you know, you're, you all you feel like these pawns in the middle of it and the people that are being attacked really didn't do anything. I think, and I've, I've you know, said this before, maybe not today, but really you've it's been touched on the, this whole issue of power and those who have power and those who do not have power. And, uh, and those who have power or seek to gain power always use the differences between people to, to, to capitalize on, on, on the situation. So whether it's it's race, whether it's religion, whether it's uh, it's uh, you know some other form of ethnicity, whether it's it's a uh, uh, any number of things where people have differences from one another, and 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 the group that either wants to maintain power or gain power over someone will use that difference against the people that they want to oppress, and it's pretty much universal around the nation throughout. The history of, of of humankind, and it really comes back down to a human nature issue. What you're saying, it's bringing the idea that you know, if we're to be honest, 
the whole problem i love when you say that it's you it's a human problem and a power problem for mm. example colonization even in my country there's a particular tribe that was favored and then the others discriminated this the the the, the goal was divide and conquer yeah. so the colonial masters came and studied rival tribes and intensified rivalry that's the problem did did we hate each other before yes we did but then it's intensified because now you have western systems that are now the the the, the status quo and so if you're more western educated you speak western languages better then you are seeing like you know you are better than someone who doesn't have any of those yeah. I wanted to to uh, go back and uh, to a question that you were you were asking about people coming in here and uh, attacking Canadians. So that's a good question. And if a person just does that out of you know in a in in a disrespectful way, just um, bashing Canada, well, it's as if it's such a horrible place to be. Then the legit the the, the legitimate question to ask is then why the heck are you in the country? <laughs> and the um. Uh, if it's baffling to Canadians, maybe an appropriate question would be like, okay, what gives this person this much power and this much audacity to speak like that? Could it be that there are also Canadian leaders, Canadian people in authority who are encouraging this type of behavior? Now, I'm not trying to say shift all the blames to the white person, but for a person who has, like, I, I can think of a few professors, maybe some from, uh, um, not necessarily Africa, but from other countries who have this rage, like you said, against the privileged white male and things like that. So the question is, asked, okay, are there people in places of authority within Canada who are Canadians who are encouraging this type of behavior? On the other side, when white kids, whether it's from, the, from Europe, from, from North America, Australia, when they go to, um, to Asian countries, they often do these, these it's not a common thing to be like a, 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 um, a, 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 an internet personality. You know, you're walking with, the, with your phone and do those, those kind of stuff. And at times they'll talk to a random Asian person who doesn't speak English and they'll try to speak to them in English and the, the, the person doesn't respond or the person doesn't understand and the person is polite. And it's, you know, the, 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 um, the individual filming just goes about his way. But when they come here and they have a struggle with English, you know, they're attacked, speak English, you know, or uh, 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 even if you can see that this person is genuinely trying to speak English. And in a way, you cannot blame such a person for thinking this is racist. When you come to my country for your video games and whatever, you speak your language freely, English, you don't speak Korean, you don't speak Japanese, and I, we let you, we're cool with it. You, you guys are giving some good examples to help understand. That's what we want with this show. We want people to understand Mm -hmm. where people might be coming from because we're mm -hmm. all in agreement it's not right to mm -hmm. hate anybody else it's not right to oppress anybody else but there's there's examples of things that people experience both when they're coming in where mm -hmm. they feel like they're treated badly and say that might be racism like for example you're descri describing you know english and mm -hmm. it is very true and you guys you know you may not realize this but um uh you know it comes across because most other countries that come in they can speak more than one language because English is often the second language, whereas this is our primary language unless we're French speaking. Mm. And, and, uh, you know, and I can imagine with other races that have more than one language, how annoyed they must be that you have people that only speak one language. 
and you know you're mad at you because you're not speaking the other ones all perfectly because you know you're thinking for pete's sakes we're smart enough to learn more than one language you only know one you know give us a break and and i mean that is that is a reality as well and and even there could be feeling a little bit more superior to someone because it's kind of sometimes working with ignorance you don't even know what you're talking about you can only speak one language you know you can feel a little bit that way but it can be very frustrating what i'm wondering too we're kind of it's a little bit of a different discussion it might even be where we have a topic on immigration itself but mm -hmm. my background is actually in change management in companies and when companies would merge or amalgamate together they would have to actually bring in what we would call like almost like a blended family. Your workplace family is you spend more waking hours with your workplace family than you do your natural family when people were not working from home because they'd be more waking hours with that family. And when you actually would bring people together from different organizations and have them become kind of one workplace family, there'd be a lot of chaos that would take place. Um, for example, there's different cultures. Workplaces have different cultures. They have different leadership styles. They have different agendas. They have different, you know, and somehow somebody bought them all up and decided to just throw them all together. And there's incredible amount of stress, both for those coming in mm -hmm. to belong and fit in, and also for those receiving all of the differences at one time. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand human beings can only handle so much change. So like they can only handle so much so fast so for example if you talk about in africa etc um or different countries you know if i go to visit in some places i might be the only white person in these remote places so they're dealing with one of me mm -hmm. not twenty-five thousand at one time mm -hmm. and even where jobs are taking place where where um you know people are you're, you're you're having to for example if you could look at fast food for example fast food means fast and somebody can't get the order right and they're not speaking english quickly and so you can say well a little bit but then every place you go this is going on where you have all of these accents and you can't understand them and you're trying to go about your life and it's all coming very very quickly and you got to wonder about those who actually planned or allowed it and didn't prepare the society to receive all of these differences you know, maybe when somebody's coming from another country, they might do some teaching about, okay, you got to learn about the country, you got to learn about, you know, the language, you got to learn your best about the culture, and you're coming in, missing home, but you're coming in. But for the people receiving, there's no education on how to receive the differences. There's no education about how to, to and after a while, it becomes very stressful on a society when there's so many differences coming at one time and just say, well, just suck it up. You should be okay. You only have one language. Look what we have to go through, but it's also hard for the adjusting. And that's always, always, always takes place. So when I would do workplace, the reason why I got into conflict resolution is because I was looking at change and what happens to people through mergers, through families coming together. And there was so much conflict and so much stress on both sides. It wasn't just one-sided. And so this kind of conversation, I even think that we should have another talk sometime about immigrants coming into refugees from both sides. What actually happens to people from both sides? Any kind of change is stressful. And also what's very, it's documented, the older you are, the more difficult it is to adjust to change. So younger generations coming in, you have a greater capacity. That is just scientifically proven how you can adjust to things. The older you get, it takes more energy. New learning takes a lot of energy. As you get older, it gets more difficult. So if you have an established society that has maybe an older population mm -hmm. and they haven't had all this, and all of a sudden they've got to adjust to all of these differences, it is stressful. 
And yeah. so, so, you know, I'm just saying, so, so both sides, you know, and that the problem is, is that when somebody's reacting and they might be reacting to the frustration of I'm so fed up with, I can't understand anybody. I can't go about my day anymore because everybody I bump into has a different accent. I can't understand them. And I'm being accused as a racist just because I'm so frustrated with just things not working. And I think that's the point we're getting down to is where everything's being called racist because you're clearly dealing with another race and a language barrier, for example, but everything is being called racism. So then it is pitting people against each other instead of saying, you know, how can we make these adjustments? How can we help? Nobody's talking about that. They're just talking about how, you know, those coming in are feeling wrong, but also those on the, on the ground here are feeling yeah. also the stress. Yeah. And I, and I think that's why conversations like this are very important. And I like the points you're making because now it helps also the ones coming in to see the perspective from, from the, the other, other person. Side, yeah. But now if, if I may, I want to play a devil's advocate. Okay. Now suppose, um, let's say I'm from history 115 on a racism classroom campus. And I hear what you're saying. And I were to say, well, what about when the white folks came to my, to our country or and to are still China coming in, are and, still coming. and we, I mean, we didn't know, we didn't understand English. We didn't understand what they were saying and they were talking things and we had to deal with it. What about that? How, what would your response be to that? Well, well, I guess what I'm wondering is mm -hmm. when the white people came in and forced and colonized, wasn't mm -hmm. that, wasn't that again, a forced issue? Wasn't that to do with war and conquering? Yeah. It wasn't because you were welcoming people to come in mutually mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you want to, you want to actually live, you know, in harmony with people. It was actually a forced war, correct? Yeah, and very nobody's, correct. And so, so going back to that, you can get mad at all you want. I mean, that's a history of war and what it actually to people and people conquering kingdoms and conquering land yeah. um if our people are we going to suggest then that people coming from other countries want to conquer canada or conquer other nations and take over and say yeah. i'm going to pay you back like are we actually moving into war because i think that's what happened back then you know maybe that's what's going on is is why on earth are we teaching all about aggressive racism in university classes when somebody first comes into a country and saying, these are the people that did it to you. So, you know, I mean, I don't even know what's going on, but I, I take your point why it would incite people more, but I do think that there's a, there was a different motivation when people came in. It doesn't make it right or, you know, I'm not saying it's right, yeah. but it would be no different than if all of a sudden a bunch of Africans decide to come in and make war against Canada and conquer Canada and colonize them into their nation. We wouldn't like it, but we would have been, I'm just saying that's what would have happened. I don't think that's what's happening now. Mm. People aren't trying to come, or are they? No, no, no. no. So, and if they most are, of them just come study, make right. money and still Go, go back, back home. home. Right, right, right. And so, so, so I think that that's, I, I'm just, I don't know, Danny, if that answers it, but I think there was yes. a You answered it perfectly. Most white Canadians mm -hmm. are not educated concerning the issues for the, the Blacks. Most are not. Some of them that are studying in universities are hearing stuff, again, as you mentioned, sometimes from a hostile point of view. Some are just hearing what the media is saying from hostile point of view. So as a white Canadian, you're hearing all this hostility. You don't understand the context. You don't understand where people are coming from. You don't even know that these issues are in these systems are in place. So then there's, there is the reaction mm -hmm. that could make it further entrench racism. If you want, people just are not willing to hear when people are attacking. 
They just won't. They'll they'll defend back and they'll fight back unless there is, like we talked about, a conversation like this. And so I think that's that's the whole point is that not everybody is studying the same history. Um, you guys were even working with Black History Month and 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 mm-hmm. looking at bringing history in from the Black perspective. That also mm-hmm. wasn't part of the education. Wouldn't mm-hmm. it be wonderful if there could be education without all the anger and hostility in the yeah. education? Yeah. But some of the examples that we call racism, you'll see it happening to every race. And that's where it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, is that if people don't have an understanding where it is legitimately happening in systems, yeah. it's legitimately causing harm to people, all they see is yelling and screaming and anger and everything's racism. You just mm-hmm. plug your ears after a while, you go, that's the boy who cried wolf. We're not even going to pay attention anymore because yeah. you're just mad at me. And you're blaming me for something that happened hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're claiming everything to be racism. But for every one thing that you claim to be racism, I could give you examples of white people that the same thing happened to them. So then how do we know it's always racism? And I think that's where it comes down to it. I, I think a better way is to really share heart to heart yeah. about the problems and things that happen. Say, you know, this would have felt like racism. Do we know what's happened here? This is this is what's taking place here right now, rather than everything being blanketed as racism. And that's kind of what's coming out in the anger right now. Yeah. Everything yeah. is labeled as racism. Yeah. And yeah. and it's not going to be received. If, if you're being under attack all the time, sure, there's some white people that are bowing the knee and repenting for being white. But there's a high percentage of people that are getting really tired of it, and they may begin to fight back. And so then you go, what are we going to have, a war? And and I guess that's the the issue that I see in in universities and even in in, in lower schools is is that the the whole issue, when it's it's addressed purely from a systemic perspective, then then it really begins to, to, to... Pit one another, you know, pit, pit, pit people against each other, and and when I when I and I hear the people, and, and maybe I'm hearing them wrong, but when I hear people, you know, pushing it from a systemic uh, uh, viewpoint, what I hear is that there's no interest in really in having dialogue any longer. The time for dialogue is over, and it's only time for revolution. The whole system must be overthrown, and uh, and 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 whatever we can build out of the ashes uh, uh, from from that, and and you know revolution. Well, you know I'll, I'll never say revolutions shouldn't happen because sometimes in the history they they've needed to happen, but revolutions don't end well mm. for 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 either part for, for for one party or the other, and sometimes for both parties. And, uh, and, you know, moving from that place of, of dialogue uh, to the point of revolution, revolution at some point includes a violence uh, of, of various de- degrees. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that's when problems come. And that's what I, that's what I perceive it, it, that I'm hearing in, in academia and, you know, certainly with certain movements that are, that are pushing things not interested in dialogue anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to we're going to overthrow the system uh, oh, yeah. and violently if we need to. Yeah. And that's a concerning place to be. On the other hand, Fred, I would have to say though, I can feel with people 
if there has been attempt at changing things and nothing really has changed, like it, when the oppression goes on for so long, people just get fed up and say, well, the, the talking isn't working. So what are you going to do? You know, it's kind of like, you know, people just say, well, then we're going to organize and we're going to begin to fight because we're just fed up. And it's generations of anger, you know, built up and there's this swell that's taking place right now. We've talked about a lot of things today. We, we all agree that the definition probably that's more accurate should be any race can be racist against someone else based on their color. You can dislike and actually it goes the next level where you actually oppress. You use power somehow to oppress or cause harm to another person. That we agree with. We agree that that um, you know the whites did through colonization. There was a law that went on, but however, it's still going on in other countries. So it doesn't mean you know that's taking place. I think we all agree with that. I think we also agree that um, the solution is is not necessarily revolution, where and and cause wanting one group to pay and to be punished and to be treated just as horrible just like, like you were, but also the whole indoctrination of what you believe about yourself and how I, I wonder if that might change rather than putting blame on someone for taking advantage of you, educating on the, the worth and the value of every human being, educating on what power actually does to people, educating about sharing common hearts as human beings together, um, looking at where there are there is true oppression and trying to actually break that cycle and having influence to do it in a positive way. I think those would be better solutions to the whole topic of racism.